Support for Great Minds is provided by The Wine Store, located at 1200 Central Avenue in Naples. The Wine Store offers a unique selection of wines from small production, artisan, and family-owned wineries. Their in-store wine education center hosts classes for the novice and connoisseur alike. Details are at thewinestorenaples.com. Welcome to Grape Minds, the wine-centric podcast that looks beyond the beautiful liquid in the glass to the much more interesting world of the people that make it happen, as well as the culture and history of what's in that glass. I'm Julie Glenn. And I'm Gina Birch. So when I first met the lady we have in studio with us this morning, I fell in love with her story, her wine story, and quite frankly, her too. She's charming, you're going to see. Got a girl crush on Kimberly Jones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Kimberly is an entrepreneur. She's a wine distributor and a vintner from California. Uh, Kimberly, thank you for joining us. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah. All right, Gina said you're from California, but I detected before we went on into the recording, you have a bit of an accent. Where's that from? I was I'm born in Louisiana, but raised in Arkansas. Lu- so. Louisiana. I love how she said that. Born in Louisiana. I really try to say it that way every time I say it, so I don't mm-hmm. sound like I'm an outsider, although I totally am. <laughs> well, Kimberly is the founder of Kimberly Jones Select, right. her selections. Kimberly Jones Selections, yes. Yes, i gotta got to put the plural on there. And so you import and distribute. Tell us a little bit about what you do with your well, company. I, I started my company 18 years ago in California. And as a broker, mm-hmm. and then um, I went statewide as a distributor in 2008. So, what's a broker? Because there are people that might not know what a broker. Okay, what a is broker. That? Um, you can only it's limited to s- certain states, but you you really you don't distribute the wine. You never take possession of the wine. In essence, you work for the winery. You mm-hmm. you, you present the wine, you sell the wine, but the, but you know I arrange for the shipping, but the accounts on and off premise will pay. The winery. As a as a distributor, you take possession of the wine. You have a warehouse. You have a warehouse. Yeah, you know, you everything. So a broker would kind of help a winery that is trying to get into a market and keep them in the forefront of the mind of the distributor to kind of help push along the sales. Well, bro, in California, brokers and distributors do the same thing. Mm. Oh, okay. The only okay. difference is a distributor owns the product, takes you know, oh, okay. takes possession of the wine. All right. And pays up front. Interesting. So, so you started <laughs> pays up front. <laughs> and then does the up front yeah, thing. Yeah. That's the hard part. So yeah. was that what, uh, was that the only hurdle that you faced when you yeah. went from going to broker to distributor? It was. I mean, it was. I had taken over a large um, winery that had just sold and was sort of grandfathered in and kept. And I had to uh, come up with, you know, a million dollars in in 30 days. Oh, to, my oh, gosh. Sure, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> to make the pay, to make, well, to, to, pay, to pay for the PO. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, um, and that was in 2008. No one was giving bank loans. And yeah, 2008 oh, was a tough year. Yeah, that, I doubled my company in 2008. Yeah, that's, nobody did that. Yeah. You're like the only one. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's why one of the things I love about her, her, her story of entrepreneurship and also there aren't a lot of women in the business, in the wine business, who do do what you do. I mean, that has to have had some challenges of its own for you. Initially, it did, but in the uh, there, there are more and more now. Mm-hmm. Um, initially, a little bit. I don't think my accent helped either. <laughs> so, um, uh, but you know, in, in the in the end, if you know what you know, mm-hmm. people respect. You know, people will respect you and buy from you. And how did you get fall in love with wine? Because you went out to California. Your path took you there. From wasn't it for the. Uh, film industry? Yeah, I, I was originally in the film business, but mm-hmm. um, I grew up in Arkansas, mm-hmm. and there's a there's a wine region, the Ozark wine region in Altus, Arkansas, and we would go there 
Um, honestly, on the way to Dog Patch or Silver Dollar City, on the way to little, these little weekend vacations. Oh, I went to Silver Dollar City. Yeah. Did I'm you? from Kansas City. That was that. a vacation destination. Oh, uh, yeah, right. Silver Fi- Dollar in the hole. Yeah. Oh, I, I got terrorized by a, a like there was a violin that was a character, mm-hmm. you know, that was part of some band. I was scared of violins for years. Uh, that's okay. <laughs> we would we would stop. Um, it was kind of my parents' part of the trip, and ours was the other Silver Dollar City. We would stop at the wine region. And, and visit Post and Weirder and all these Arkansas wineries. And I remember being, you know, it was Arkansas. It was really hot. When you walk into the winery, you'd smell the oak, and it was cool. And they had juice, grape juice for the children. And it was, I just always loved the smell. That is good mm. juice, though. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. and people say that about wine. It's good juice. I'm like, no, yeah. but when it's just juice, it's, it's still also still really good. good. Yeah. <laughs> so you kind of fell in love with it in Arkansas. That's an unlikely story. Then you end up in California in the film industry. I'm in the film industry. And I, by then, you know, I'm an adult. I'm a drinking age. And I would always <laughs> go up to Santa Barbara. And I would spend all my vacations going to wine country. And then finally, I decided, you know, it's time to make a career change. Yeah, so you went up into wine country and you got into the wine industry. I did. I started as a um, sales rep in in Los Angeles. Oh, that's a tough market. (laughs) Didn't you work Harvest or something one year and you said, I I didn't have a place to stay, so she pitched a tent? I did. I worked worked my – during my vacation, I went up and I worked at Edna Valley. um, Edna Valley, and this is before they were bottling Chardonnay. And – um, I didn't have a place to stay, so I stayed in. I pitched a tent in Pismo <laughs> Beach and camped. She camped. And camped and would go into work. And then um, it wasn't the glamorous. You know, some people will come and work harvest and, it's, you know, glamour. It wasn't glamorous. And <laughs> I uh, I was um, I'm a little OCD. And so I, my job was to, at the end, to pull all the bottles that were low fills. And to me, everything wasn't perfect. So I, I, I lasted maybe two days. I was pulling everything. And I, <laughs> they made me stay late at night and uncork them all. And oh, it was oh just. I'm just imagining I love Lucy. You're on the assembly line. Yeah. You're taking them all. It was. Like the it was, chocolates. It really was like that. It was horrendous. But, uh, <laughs> so you so you paid your dues is uh, what yeah. you're saying. And yeah, and I think yeah, and you know as a sales rep in mm-hmm. Los Angeles for 3 years and then started I was I remained a, a still in in essence a sales rep. I still mm-hmm. have accounts in California. So I think wow. another interesting thing about your story is and, and and Julie and I have talked about this with other people on the show are the evil or the amazing ratings. Oh yes. And you have <laughs> made I mean you have an in. There's something about you that she knows the players and she can get wine in front of the big dogs mm. to taste. And a lot of people, they would die to have their wines in front of these guys. And and I think you've you've made a lot of people brought yeah. attention to them with high scores by getting their wines in front of people. How does that whole thing work? It's it's a double-edged sword in a way. Um, I, I think if you live by the scores, you die by the scores. Mm. And um, – they're important to some people and impor- and not important to others. So when you're selling wine, some people don't want to hear the scores, and some buy only buy scores. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a, it's a little bit of give and take, and who and who you're showing the wines to. Um, I always do a portfolio tasting with the wine advocate and with Jeb Dunnick. I do them every year, um, and we show 186, 200 wines. And these are people that you've brought into your just yes, yes, they're the, the people in my portfolio. Yeah. And it's and then afterwards it's like the, the biggest party because I have two hundred bottles open of wines that range from twenty dollars to four hundred dollars retail mm. and everybody all the winer, wineries and winemakers come to the house and it's a pot, it's a potluck because I can't cook I've been sitting all day with, with, <laughs> with, the, with the critics and it's just crazy so like next time you do that I really think that grape wines needs to be present oh, for that after party yeah, you should because oh, you should that be would be a lot party. of wines that we could get to try I would love it let's do it uh, I'll show you all a picture. 
It's, it's crazy. <laughs> is that a? Is it happen the same time every year when you when you um, September and October? It's when they when they get stuff before uh, the critics. September, October, November. In, sometime in those three mm-hmm. months. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, what would you advise people? Because sometimes people that don't know a whole lot about wine, they'll go to a store and it'll have this big, you know, uh, a necker uh, thing around its neck or a sticker on it saying, you know, ninety three points, and it sometimes they're like from you know the Solano County Fair. Yeah, or something. exactly. Are there some to trust and some not to trust? I mean, what would you be your advice for a common consumer about scores? My, well, my advice to is to find a wine store in someone you trust. And let, get them to know your palate because what mm-hmm. might, might be ninety three points to someone would be a hundred to another, and I think um, I think wine's very subjective, much like art. And someone that collects Jeffrey Coons isn't gonna, going to like uh, collect Dutch Masters. And mm-hmm. I think you find what you like if you like acid. I uh, today we'll try white um, Italian wines. They always make me feel like I'm on vacation. Mm-hmm. I love, I love them. it. <laughs> I love you know I I love high acid white wines. Um, I love you know everyone has their own palate. Mm-hmm. And I think what you the, my, my advice is to start just try wines and see what you like and go back and say I really like this and it's it's just as important to say what you don't like because you may not like heavy oak you may not like residual sugar you may like heavy oak and you may like residual sugar and it's important that where you're buying if you're buying wine from someone a store in particular they know that I found a lot of people think they don't like residual sugar but in fact they mm-hmm. tend to prefer wines that have yeah. a little bit more residual they sugar they just don't know. The, the term. Or. So the the wine scores from the big dogs, do they have as much influence on sales as they used to? Because it seems like my perception of it has been people have backlashed against the, the big, huge wine scores. So they're not paying as much attention to them. I just don't know if it's had any impact on, on the sellability of different it wines. It definitely has an impact. It does. It still Does it yes. still have the same impact? Um, no. I mean, it does and it doesn't. It's hard to say. I mean, it really, I would say, but it ha- it has an impact. I mean, you can't. You, if people, if you're dealing with a retailer, they want, and you've got a 96.1, 98, 99, 100, it makes a difference. It does. Mm-hmm. Are the, um, what would be the bottom? Is 89 something that you'd want to advertise? Yes, depending on the price point. 89, okay, 89 yeah. is like pretty good. Like an 89, good. $20 retail wine is fantastic. I talked to a guy once, he was like, I was so proud of this wine, and I got a 78. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're not going to post so that we're one. Not, we're, yeah, I he did not advertise yes. that. <laughs> so, Kimberly, you, you uh, bring into your, your company, your distribution, um, wines that are produced and made by other people. Yes. Um, you've got a, a whole list of really great small uh, production boutique wines. Um, but you also make your own as well. You yes. have you have several labels, or you've gone out and you found winemakers, you found the grapes, you've actually bought land to make some of the yes. wines in your portfolio, which is a whole other animal. Well, what there was a, there's a lot of consolidation going on, and in the consolidation, I was losing brands, and it left these holes in my portfolio. And it, it's like let's say I needed a you know a, a super Tuscan, I I don't want an entire entire. Italian portfolio. So it's easy for me to call friends in Tuscany and say, do you want to do a Super Tuscan with me? And they say, yes. <laughs> and so, awesome. Sure. <laughs> I mean, but, but, but it keeps me from, it feels like a perfect example is Pierre Gaillard. Uh, he's mm-hmm. an old friend of mine. I needed a cup de Rome, but I didn't want to pull in oh, an entire Rome portfolio because I already had his other wines, a Cut Roti and Cornas. And I asked him to make a, a, a Cote de Rome with me, and he did. And Operation Dragoon, yeah, and um, and so it just it, I was able to flesh out my portfolio and f- and fill it in with things that I can control and won't lose. You actually bought some land 
in France. Tell us that story. I think that's a cool story. I bought land, and um, I went there with my friend Abe from Scullion Project. Um, he took me in 2006 and to Mori. And I'd never been to a place mm. like that. It was amazing. It was schist soil beneath Cathar castles, just crazy. And uh, I bought five hectares. I had a had been driving. I paid off my car and kept making the car payment to a bank account. And I had and with that money, I was able to buy five hectares. And uh, it's been and I'm still making wine from there. And it's Is that been, your old um, oh, oh old vine a hundred. It, it's interesting because. They're hundred year old Carignan and sixty year old sixty to seventy year old Grenache vines, and they always say you plant Carignan for your grandchildren. <laughs> as, it get, as it gets older, um, it gets better. My yields are extremely low, a quarter ton an acre. Mm. Uh, on What's just, normal? Is that like, like people brag about a ton a, a ton an acre in Napa? Oh, and they're saying that's low. Yeah, it's, yeah, and a quarter ton is really low. A quarter ton is beyond yeah, extra low. Yeah. So um, I love it there. I love it. It's just riddled with history and right beneath the Pyrenees Mountains, and the wines are very distinct. And weren't they going – wasn't the government uh, yes. uh, going to tell that? Yeah, they were going to um, – at the time – Maury at the time was um, a sweet wine. Uh, most people may know Masa Mill. But the, the uh, habit of staying and drinking sweet wine and having cheese after dinner in the world has just kind of faded. Everybody's in a hurry now. And so the French government was offering – the vintners, the vineyard owners, money to rip up, rip up it up and plant apricots, hmm. and uh, so a bunch of us went in and bought land. They but, saved the vines. Yeah. So that's interesting. The cultural shift has gone away from languishing over dinner and having mm-hmm. the cheese. Yeah. Uh, and and that's sad to hear. It is, France it is, it is. is kind of dropping that. But well, it actually, you know, the whole even you know everywhere in the world, you know, people would take a sweet wine or a port, and you know have it at, you know, business lunches afterwards. And it's just people just have to get back to work now. I'm a big fi- fan of wine with business lunches. I think yeah. that's really critical. <laughs> wine anytime. Yeah, I, I think that makes it, the afternoon so much more enjoyable. It's in the morning yeah. and we're recording and yeah. drinking wine. And Easy. I'm not talking about, you know, going crazy and having like three bottles among four people. I'm yeah. talking like a glass or two yeah. with lunch. You're fine, yeah, you know. Of course, of course. It also makes better conversation. And yes. you kind of get to know the people that are around you. Like, uh, so... What are you ordering? <laughs> <laughs> so we're tra- we're tasting. Are these some of the wines that you have made that yes. you brought in? Okay. Well, I, I, like I said, I partner with um, mm-hmm. with winemakers, and this today we're trying. Um, our, 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 excuse me, an Arnez, a Roero. It's from Roero. It's um, it's made by mm-hmm. Franco Canterno, Daniele Canterno makes this with um, my my dear friends Mario and Anna Monticelli. Okay, and there are some names. And the, yeah, and the, we tasted uh, one of their Nebbiolos, I think, on one of our podcasts before. Really? Yeah, the Monticelli. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yes, yeah. you're right. Now so, I remember. She partnered. Takes me a while. They yeah. partnered with me. They're old friends of mine. Mm-hmm. I've done business with them in Napa for, oh my goodness, um, since the beginning of my company. Mm. So I've sold their wines, and I'm. He, and Mario has clearly his name Mario Monticelli has uh, has roots in Italy and they were it was so much fun and I and through my friend Michele uh, we were hooked up with the Conternos and it's been fantastic. Nice. So this is a Piedmontese white. Yeah, Piedmontese white. And you say mm. that this kind of makes you go on vacation. Yeah, I just love this wine. I do too. I, I love this I like grape. I know that. I love Arnaz. It just smells fresh and like you said, like uh, or I'm on holiday. They say that the best time to taste wine is 10.30 in the morning, and it's 10.15. Oh, nice. <laughs> so I don't know who they are, but I like them. We're right on target. They are the people who also uh, 
tell us what to drink and what not to drink and when to drink. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this has a nice uh, mouthfeel, too. Mm-hmm. It does. And it, but it also has great acid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but this has more viscosity than most of the other. I, I like it. It's it really does. good. Mm-hmm. This is because it sees a little oak. Oh, does it? Mm-hmm. But you don't taste it, you know? I mean, you feel it. <laughs> just, so that's one of those things that's kind of cool. Sometimes with oak, you taste it, yeah. a lot of it. But sometimes you can also just feel it without having any taste of it. Right. So this is a You're nice example it, girl? of that. I'm feeling, I'm feeling it. it, girl. I am feeling it. Mm-hmm. I like this one. Thank you. Mm. And this retails for um, about twenty-two dollars. Okay, 20. that's reasonable. Definitely, I like that. That one's good. That one's in the yes category. I'll take three cases. We're in a sales. When can call. we expect delivery? <laughs> can I get a one-on-three, please? No, <laughs> probably mm-hmm. not. I'm sure it's got to be uh, a challenge too, going from state to state with the different laws and different oh states. Oh my gosh, it's Byzantine. It's it's like dealing with fifty countries. So I, um, I partnered with David Mill from Azanta Cares to Cognac to start Kimberly John Selections International. Mm-hmm. He sells his cognac in Asia, and they kept asking for wine, but he he didn't have the background on wine, and so. Um, it's funny because so I, I'm getting licenses in you know, Macau and Hong Kong and Singapore, Spain, Canada, and nothing compares to the United States because every state is like a country. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Every state is like it's, it's, it's different laws. Yeah, I know we, we ran into that a lot with different winemakers. Well, I'm still getting the approval for my label. I've gotten the federal approval. Now i got to get the state approval. And it's not just the, the right to sell, but then a given wine, for example, coming into Florida has to have the label approved right. saying that it's not going to tell you it's going to cure cancer and, and get rid yeah. of your hair lice right. or whatever. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? so, so they have um, to make sure it doesn't claim any of that. So the one we're drinking now is um, Aslan. We're drinking. I'm sorry, y'all can't see it because you're on the radio. Sorry, <laughs> so we're drinking. Well, what we do, we'll take we take <laughs> we pictures, take pictures. Okay. of them. So when everyone listens to the podcast, they can uh, look. Okay. Look at the All right. Good. So we're dr- we're now drinking a Super Tuscan, um, which is 70 percent Sangiovese, twenty percent Cabernet, and ten percent Merlot. Now, hmm. this is called Aslan, and and it has a lion on the front. Lion's a symbol of Tuscany. And I loved Chronicles of Narnia growing oh, okay. up. Okay. Yes, and I knew so I heard that. And I so that's that Aslan. Book. I'm a big all, lion all fan, too. All things good. Aslan. All things. Oh, I just, I like the wine already and I haven't even tasted it. I like lions. I like Chronicles of Narnia. I love that. That is so great. And I also love Tuscany. So, and this area. <laughs> you know, I know we're talking about the wine. Yeah, it's Marima. But naming and packaging. And you just told us a story. And everyone, I mean, people are craving stories and, and authenticity and, and things in, in their wine and everything right now. So uh, you are so creative. How did that just flow from your days in the film industry? or No, I just, just well, that's who I, you are. I studied well, I, studied, I studied poetry, oh. which everyone says, which is not exactly easy to make a living. And mm-hmm. so, but I think, you know, you, th- you just come up with ideas and things. So how often do you go back to Arkansas? A lot. Well, at least a couple of times a year. You yeah. want to meet her there? Yeah. Go to Silver <laughs> no. Dollar City? Yeah. Yeah. No, I guess <laughs> what if you've gone back now that Don't. you have, I mean, these world-class wines, you know, that you're in the business of, then so now have you gone back and tried those Arkansas wines and had, uh, you, know, you know, it's really Pink sweet. Catawba yeah, actually, lately? Yeah, thank you very much. You know, Pink Catawba, Munson, um, all those wines. Norton. Cynthiana. Yeah, Cynthiana and Norton. Um, yeah, I go back. I like going there. I mm-hmm. do. I think it's important. Um, I always say the best wine in the world is whatever's in your glass. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important to taste things from all over. I spent some time in Bulgaria, and you have a cho- 
I mean, they're on vacation. It's, it's a bit, you have a choice of buttermilk or their local wine when you when you have dinner. Oh, we going buttermilk? Yeah, <laughs> no, really? Yeah, because they drink. Yeah, and um, <laughs> but so I would have the wine, and it was just you're there, you're having the food, and it pairs well. So it it may not act, it may not translate back at you know back home, but when you're there, everything seems to like fit. Makes it, sense. it works. Yeah, it works. I always say that it's. You know, I don't know if it's terroir. I mean, but you look at the terroir of, say, the Cambridge limestone. It's all fossilized crustaceans. What does Chablis and, you know, Sancerre go best with? Oysters, mm. crustaceans. Mm-hmm. The wine just wants to go home. Yeah, and then when I'm thinking about, that. like, the Missouri wines like Norton and Arkansas, yeah. I'm thinking about the barbecue and the um, high-fat barbecue sauce with the spicy tomato sauce and then that Norton wine. It, can, it would go with that, it. That makes ab- sense. That's, such a, that's so good because I always pair barbecue with Zinfandel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it has that same Bramley yeah. uh, flavor as Munson does. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it works. There's a reason. There is a reason for the regions yeah. and the grapes of the regions yeah. and the yeah. cuisine of it, although I'm not really sure. If barbecue is, I mean, obviously it's recently traditional, but I don't know how far back that goes. <laughs> I mean, it goes back to the human, to, to, to Europe sapiens. Well, yeah. Europeans in Missouri, yeah. anyway. I don't know if there was much wine made. I need to look into that now. Now I got another rabbit hole to go into. Yeah, great. You just call me when you're out of that because I'm not going to help. You're, or if you I'm need me to pull you, you out of it, thank you. <laughs> not going with you to Missouri to no. figure out the, the oldest winemaking tradition there. So this is nice. This is great. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. I like it. I do too. And this is new. I mean, this is a new label. It's a yes. new everything for yes. your this portfolio. This is brand new on this, the market th- in the United States. This has just been brought in just now. Oh, so it's we're just, some of the first? Yes. Just tell yeah, us we are. are even you if are. Not. You really are. Oh, awesome. We're so I, special. I brought these bottles from, with me mm. from California. On the plane. Yeah. They were your They were your seat next to you. Oh, you mm-hmm. can't do that anymore. Nope, you can't. You have to check them. Yeah. And a shipper. No, yeah, those shippers. What's a good way to transport wine? I guess you do it all the time. What would be... A good way to make sure you get wine if you're, you know, buying out in the world and you're going to be getting on a plane. What's the best way to? There's a thing called a vonvalaise. And so it's a suitcase mm-hmm. that has styrofoam in it. And um, not styrofoam. It's more a foam. It's and like it, a cutout. Yeah, I've yeah. And yeah, those, that's they're good. Expensive, they're expensive. Exp- they good. are expensive. Yeah. But and then a shipper. I love shippers. Uh, that's, oh, I brought, the styrofoam ones? Yeah, that's what I brought here. Yeah, shippers. Yeah, you can get those at the UPS store. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they, they're great. And you can use or them Kinkos. for many, many trips, too. I've packed them. I've checked them empty when I've gone out to California before and yeah. filled them That's up what and I do. brought them back. Actually, yeah. I take them. When I take home, wine home to Arkansas to my yeah. dad, I take my shipper and then I bring it back filled with barbecue sauce and pickled okra and all the things I can't get in California. California. <laughs> so this next one has another story as well, Tether. Yeah. Tether, um, it's got a little astronaut on there. For, for, you'll you'll be able to see when we take and, the photos. And on the back, it's a Napa Cabernet. Oh, cool. On the back, it says "Be bold, take risk, always stay connected." And it's just, um, I had lost my mother and was felt really untethered to the world. And um, then I had all the support of friends, and I just suddenly was like, I just want to do some do a positive label. You know, something. Let's. It's it's important to stay tethered. You can that way. You can take as many risks as you want, and people will bring you back in. Like when you go down that rabbit hole for Munson. Yeah. <laughs> We're bringing you back. I'll tie a rope around my waist so somebody yeah. can pull me back. It's so interesting that you say the tether because that's the word that I often used when my mom passed away. I thought always that some tether's been broken. I feel kind oh. of untethered, and it's oh. it's like it's really interesting that. You always feel like you're the only one going through it mm-hmm. and the yeah. only one that's felt that right. way whenever you're going through difficult times. But this is a great reminder. You're, you're really not because yeah. right. it's like the exact same word, the same terminology and the same feelings. But we yeah. all we all have them. 
feels. Yes. Yeah. Right in the feels. Yes. Mm. <laughs> so, yeah. So let's try the wine. <laughs> yes. So let's drink. <laughs> let's drink and cry in our, in our wine. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Is this a new vintage, This Kimberly? is a new vintage. This is a 2015, and it's Napa Valley Cabernet. The 14 was a red blend, but it was mostly Cabernet, mostly Cabernet, but we didn't put it on the label. But this year, um, Anna decided we decided we would call it Cabernet because we, because it is 85% Cabernet, 7% Cab Franc, and the rest is Petit Verdot, Malbec, and Merlot. Like I really like this. Mm-hmm. And so the blend changes a little bit every year? Yes, depending yeah, on, yes. Okay. depending on the vintage, depending on availability. Of, but you're still shooting for a specific flavor oh, profile? Oh, always. Okay. And this is 24, 20 months and um, 50% new French oak. Mm. You know, I've been going through a thing with Napa Cab where I've kind of been annoyed with it because it seems like, you know, I went to a tasting room last time I was in Napa and everything tasted almost exactly the same. Mm-hmm. And I was just getting really, come on, you know, this ta- this is a standout. I mean, it's definitely Napa Cab, but it it's bold. It's not overly fruity. It's it's really good. It's balanced. Yeah. yeah. I get a little it, cocoa coffee yeah. kind of um, like a uh, mocha kind of mm-hmm. thing in there too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like it. And for mm-hmm. Na- And this is $50 retail, which is for Napa. Yeah, yeah, low for Napa Cab, for sure. That's good. Mm. That would have been that would have been low like six years ago. <laughs> not, to, not to try to encourage you to raise your price or anything. Yeah, no, 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 no. Well, we know her now. Maybe we can uh, get the friends and family discount. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, you said at the beginning of the show, this is somebody that you've long admired and just yeah. been like, I just think she's so great. And I'm like, well, I just met her, but I feel the same. I know, right? I, just, <laughs> I think I have a new best friend. Yeah. <laughs> her wines always have these stories. And the more you hear, and we just heard about three of them and, and, and their stories. And it's just, and they're more and more. I mean, it just goes on and on. Kimberly's a fascinating person and uh, a great businesswoman. And uh, so we're really happy to have you in for Great Minds today, oh, thank sharing you, your wine thank and your you stories. so much. Now i got to do some business stuff. We have a yeah. new thing here at Great Minds where we want to hear from you. If you have a favorite wine story, do you have a grape you want to know more about? Come at us with those questions and stories and suggestions by leaving a message on the Grape Line. It's 707-200-3632. Give us a call. There's an outgoing message prompting you to ask us what you want to know about and uh, leave your question and also leave your contact information if we need to get a hold of you or if you want us to get a hold of you. Like, why does my wine feel, uh, smell funky or what are those little crystal things in the bottom yeah, or, or like, what, what is goes it? best with pizza? Exactly. Well, everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, and, and also, like, when is it okay to send your wine back at a restaurant? Ooh, that's a good question. I get that all the time. Yeah. Somebody call and ask that. so we can use it (laughs) Great Minds is produced at WGCU Studios on FGCU campus in Fort Myers, Florida our producer for online media is Tara Calligan technical production is by Mike Canary Great Minds theme music for Zante is by Colin Mannon to get in touch check greatminds.org thanks for listening Mm -hmm.